You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Whatever you worship, you imitate. Whatever you imitate, you become. In other words, whatever you value most will ultimately determine who you are. If you worship money, you'll become greedy at the core of your heart. If you worship some sinful habit, that same sin will grip your soul and poison your character to death. If you worship stuff, your life will become material, void of eternal significance. If you give all your praise to the God of you, you'll become a disappointing little God both to yourself and to all those who trust in you. What you worship is what you become. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he gives you a wake-up call and has you examine your heart before the Lord. What do you worship or value? If it's not the Lord at the very top, be careful. What you imitate is what you'll become. Pastor Danny explains that whatever you focus on has a way of forming you. But instead of being formed by something, be transformed by your relationship with the Lord. Imitate and worship the Lord your God. Follow after Him and be transformed into His likeness. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 John chapter 5 with today's edition of The Living Word. Testament, New Testament, throughout the Bible, there are clear examples of people who committed sin unto death. Leviticus chapter 10, two sons of the high priest Aaron, their names were Nadab and Abihu. And it says there, they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and God took their lives. They sinned unto death. Numbers chapter 16 mentions some leaders under Moses, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They led a rebellion against Moses. They thought they were doing what God wanted them to. That's what it appears. They, they were wrong. Uh, lots of people followed them. And in their rebellion, God opened up the earth. And those leaders and those who followed them committed a sin unto death. Done. New Testament. Acts chapter 5, the early church in Jerusalem. I mean, what a church to be a part of. The apostles are teaching every day. The church is meeting every day in the temple courts. Miraculous things are going on. People are being healed. People are selling things they don't really need, bringing the money to the leaders of the church. And it says they distributed to anyone who had need. And for a period of time in that early church, it said there were no needy persons among them. I mean, what a, what a church to be a part of. And in the midst of that environment, two people, Ananias and Sapphira, also sold a field. And the intention of the Holy Spirit was leading them to bring the money, like others, and give it to the leadership of the church, and they would continue to distribute it as God led them. But instead of giving all of uh, the money from the sale, they kept back part of it. They were confronted by Peter one at a time, and one at a time they lied. Peter said, you've not lied to men, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. And God took their lives. They sinned unto death. I'll give you one more scriptural reference, and it's found in... 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's interesting, it's in the context of the communion table. 
But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone, verse 29, who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. That's what God says in regard to believers who die physically in this life. So there were some believers who didn't let God deal with the sin in their lives, and they sinned unto death. Now, back in 1 John, verse 18, and you'll see the connection here in a minute. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And it's interesting how the Holy Spirit moves John's pen to close this little epistle. It's one line, but oh, don't miss this one line. Verse 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. In the context, practically speaking, if I don't keep myself from idols, my prayer life is shot. Are you with me? Not going to have a powerful prayer life. If I don't keep myself from idols, in my idolatry, I may end up sinning unto death. God says, that's enough. I've had enough of your idolatry. Keep yourselves from idols. Exodus 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. Any other God but me. Because any God but me, that's an idol. That's idolatry. Here's my best shot at defining what's an idol. What is an idol? Here's my best shot. It's any person or thing that contends with God for my time, energy, affection, and money. That's the best I can get to a definition of what is an idol. Did you know there are a lot of potential idols? I love Louis Giglio's book he put together years ago. Just I, I've read it so many times, and every time I read uh, through it or even a section of it, I'm just freshly blessed. It's called The Air I Breathe, Louis Giglio. One of the lines uh, in there I've memorized and I'll never forget. When you follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money, there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. It's a great statement. and so true. A lot of potential idols in life. Let me give you some potential idols. A person can be an idol. Jesus said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, you got to understand what he's not saying. What he's not saying is you're not to be committed to your family, not to love your family. That's not what he's saying at all. Because the Bible certainly says we're to love our family, uh, even care for our families. But it's a comparison. He's saying don't let any family relationship keep me from being number one in your life. I am God. <laughs> Jesus told a parable about a great banquet and the invitation for people to come to the banquet. 
I like Luke chapter 14 for the sake of this message and that record of the parable of the banquet. Uh, the invitations go out and the excuses, there are several excuses. I don't know if you remember the parable. One of the excuses is I I'd come, but I just bought a field. I got to go check it out. Uh, one is uh, I'd come, but I just bought uh, a fresh yoke of oxen and uh, I got to try them out. In other words, I'm expanding the business. But one of the excuses is just very interesting in light of the potential of a person becoming an idol. Here's the excuse. I just got married. So I can't come. Anything wrong with getting married? I hope not. But here's someone who said no to the invitation to the banquet. And the banquet is representative of the kingdom of God. This is what God's offering. This is salvation. And someone said, I, I can't come because I'm too devoted to my spouse. And they're the priority. They're my idol. Catch this one. My idol could be me. The first king of Israel, King Saul, 1 Samuel 15, 12, says he went down to a, a place and he set up a monument in his own honor. He was full of himself. He was his own idol. You know, if you're living with somebody who's not biblically your husband and your wife, and you're involved in an immoral relationship, that person is an idol to you. You put them above God. They're your idol. You put them above God. I'll go on because you're going to get me worked up on that one. A possession can be an idol. Listen to this verse, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, get this one, and greed, which is idolatry. Greed, which is idolatry. One gospel writer says he was rich. Another says he was young. Another says he's a ruler. So we have dubbed him the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, I've kept these since I was a boy. And then Jesus says to him, one more thing you lack. If you want riches in heaven, sell what you have. Sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor. Then come and follow me and you'll have great riches in heaven. Now, does God tell everybody that's the avenue for salvation? Obviously, that's not the avenue for everybody to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. He doesn't tell everybody, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. Why did he tell this guy that? Because his money and what his money could buy was his idol. That's his God. It says he went away very sad because he was a man of great will. Your house could be an idol, but it doesn't have to be. Here's what Jesus said. No one, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And it's the idea of materialism. Can't serve two masters. Not only potentially a person, not only potentially a possession, but listen, a passion can become an idol, a goal, a dream of success, whatever that, that looks like. And look, I've watched it. My daughter used to watch it every week. She'd record it, you know, and, and we watch it sometimes together, just kind of father-daughter time, family time. We've watched American Idolatry. Anything wrong with wanting to be successful in what you feel God's gifted you in? Of course not. As long as God is 
at the top of that. Lord, I want to glorify you through the gift you've given me. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I wanted, to, I wanted so many years to be a rock star. That was before I became a Christian. Then I thought after I become a Christian, I'll become a Christian rock star. Obviously never happened, not going to happen. But I tell you what, nice seeing my second born tear them drums up this morning. Go get them, Hayden. Here's what Jesus said. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? You can get everything you're dreaming of in terms of glory, success, whatever it is in life. This, listen, this is a blip. This is just a blip on the radar. We're going to live forever. So we want whatever we do, and whatever success we have, it be God's glory. He's number one. He gets all the glory. And he's the goal. Well, one last one. A pleasure can become an idol. The parable of the seed and the sower, the seed that fell among thorns, Luke records it this way. Jesus said, as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Pleasures. Now, I don't want us to misunderstand. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me just read 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look, don't get the idea God's some kind of killjoy. He's not at all. I enjoy catching. That's a pleasure that God allows me to enjoy. I don't like fishing. So don't start a rumor for new people coming to our fellowship that the pastor likes fishing. I do not like fishing. If there's not something on the other end of the hook that could potentially pull me off the boat in about three seconds, we're moving. And you guys that just like to fish, don't ask me to go fishing with you. You stand there all day with the pole in your hand. You're just happy to be there. I'm not happy to just be there. I want to catch something, and I want to catch something I can eat. My credit card takes out an amount of money every month for me to be a SeaWorld and a Bush Gardens um, pass holder. I'm at Bush Gardens probably once every two weeks. I go there just to unwind. I'll go there by myself. I love walking around. I love looking at the animals. But my favorite pastime at Bush Gardens is Congo River Rapids. I do not ride the ride. I take quarters, and I stand there, and if you are on the ride, I'm going to wet you. I am a professional. I've invested hundreds of dollars over the years, and my favorite is the first one, second one from the far right, and that's the best one because it'll get you every time. <laughs> On a day I really need to unwind, I take a roll of quarters. I invest $10 in one standing, and there I am. I was there the other day. I just went in. I was there for an hour. I went back home. <laughs> and if you think there's something wrong with that, it's your problem. There's nothing wrong with enjoying things that God allows us to do. We just we got to be careful that those pleasures don't become the most important thing. They don't crowd God out of our lives. Why is there such great potential for idolatry? Boy, inspired. Not the Bible, but definitely inspired. Louis Giglio, from the air I breathe. Let me just read you. 
If you think about it, history has known no shortage of worship. The timeline of mankind is littered with trillions of little idols. Every culture, every corner of the earth, every age has had its gods. Just circle the globe and watch for worship. Study the great civilizations. Explore their temples. The compelling question for me is, why? Why do we crave something to worship? Why are we so insatiably drawn from idol to idol, desperately needing something to champion, something to exalt, something to adore? I think it's because we were designed that way. We were made for God. The Bible says it this way. All things were made by him and all things were made for him. We were created to worship. And because we're created to worship, if man does not worship God, he will worship someone or something. Even people that don't know they're worshiping, they're worshiping someone or something. Let me just read quickly. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, before we're done, let me give you what I think are some helpful recommendations and something that we must realize. Um, usually, idolatry doesn't happen overnight. Usually, you don't go from God is number one in my life to in the next moment, you're serving and worshiping an idol. doesn't happen that way. Usually happens over time. Luke 8, 14, as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Genesis 35. This is after Jacob has gone through years of God maturing him, and now he's a mature saint. Verse 1, Genesis 35, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel, that's where his relationship with God started, and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother uh, Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves. Get rid of the idols. So verse 4, they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, which was connected with their idolatry, and Jacob burned them under the yoke at Shechem. Genesis 31, 19 says Jacob's wife, Rachel, stole her father's household gods. And as you follow the story, it didn't happen overnight, but a little bit over time, the family in their lives, they allowed these idols to become part of their lives. Joshua chapter 24, same thing with Joshua. Joshua is an aged saint. And here's some of his final words to the children of Israel. Verse 14, Joshua 24. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt. Then he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, you make a choice. You make a choice today. But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. The people respond and say, oh, come on now. We're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua says, you can't serve the Lord. They said, we can't serve the Lord. That's our intention. He says again, you can't serve the Lord. What's going on? 
It culminates, verse 23 of Joshua 24. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. In other words, until you get rid of the idols, you can't serve the Lord. One last scripture. And unfortunately, this scripture represents, unfortunately, I think, people today who try to do both, keep their idols and keep the Lord as well. Because of Israel's sin, God has allowed the Assyrians to come and take control of their land, rule over them. King of Assyria sends Assyrians into Israel to co-inhabit and live among the Israelites. And it says in verse 25, listen, when they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord. So he sent lions among them and they killed some of the people. Well, that gets the king's attention. He says, uh, says to a servant, you go and find a priest in Israel that knows what that God, the God of Israel requires in worshiping him. And you get some things settled there so that these people don't continue to get killed by lions, including our own people. So they find a priest. And the priest tells them what the God of Israel requires. But here's what they did. Verse 32, they worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. And the last verse in the chapter, verse 41, even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. I'm going to bring it full circle. Here's what God said. You must not have any other God but me. Some people misunderstood and think, what a selfish God. No, he's more unselfish than you could imagine. From the air I breathe. There's one more reason worship should really matter to you. Whatever you worship, you become. You can worship whatever you want, but there'll always be a last twist to the story. Whatever you worship, you imitate. Whatever you imitate, you become. In other words, whatever you value most will ultimately determine who you are. If you worship money, you'll become greedy at the core of your heart. If you worship some sinful habit, that same sin will grip your soul and poison your character to death. If you worship stuff, your life will become material, void of eternal significance. If you give all your praise to the God of you, You'll become a disappointing little God both to yourself and to all those who trust in you. If God's spoken to you and you realize, you know, there's some things I need to change. Some of us just need to sell it. Give it away. Or if it's not something that somebody else should have, destroy it. Destroy it. Some of us need to end the relationship. Because that as it is, you're putting that relationship above God. Now, if you're married, that's not a relationship to end. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe we need to adjust our priorities. You're so busy and busy in things that in and of themselves may not be sin, but they've crowded God out of being number one. Some of us need to find some new role models. And if you're a man, I exhort you, encourage you, find a godly role model, another male, and say, 
I want to be like them. And you find out what makes them tick. What is it? What is it that makes them so God? I want to be like them. I want to imitate them. If you're a lady, find a godly woman and say, I want to be like her. And you find out what makes her tick and what her life is like. And then you imitate her. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. The Living Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're a group of believers who seek to live and love just like Jesus did. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Pray that God would touch each listener with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Pastor Danny will continue his study in 1 John next time, so we hope you'll join us again. But in the meantime, we encourage you to read through 1 John on your own and ask the Lord to reveal who He is. People from every generation have struggled to understand who God is fully, but when you spend time in His Word, you begin to understand His heart. This is what the Apostle John understands and was so diligent to write about. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Fellowship as you dive into your relationship with Jesus. For service times, directions, and more, visit ccfstpete.church. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for tuning in as we teach the Word to reach the world. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from 1 John right here on The Living Word.